Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. Well, what a few weeks it's been since we last spoke. Um, we were talking not that long ago, it seems, uh, after the delirium of the Cardiff result and how it was the highlight of, well, maybe football ever, Steve. I think we were talking about at the time, uh, the manner of the victory. Uh, but in particular, after what has been such a uninspiring and, let's be honest, the ultimately disappointing season, um, to have that little bit of... Uh, Light that little glimmer, that thing that will remember or remind us of this season, and um, and since then, Swansea City have gone to try and up, you know, usurp that a little bit and try and make it a little bit more interesting for us. And uh, much to my frustration, <laughs> they seem to be getting to a point now where I'm going to be looking back at all those results we threw away in the summer and in the season and think, what if? Yeah, it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? We're on this. I mean, it's been one of the strangest seasons I can ever remember. I mean, obviously a poor start and then, you know, a really, really good run of what, seven and nine, followed by three um, three wins in 23 and a lot of uninspiring games. And now we're in this run of six wins in seven. It's, it is bizarre, really, isn't it? But I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to potentially curse uh, some of those games that we've we've thrown away. I mean, there's, there's too many to mention, isn't there, really? Um, but... Yeah, it's it's mad how it's how it's turned around. But I think what pleases me more about this recent run is more that um, I think in the seven wins and nine there were quite a few games that maybe could have gone either way. Like I look at the West Brom game, for example, that we won three two away. It was quite an even game. It was two two. They got a penalty. Bender saved it. If it goes in, they probably win. And then we've ended up nicking it at the end. Watford we nicked a, yeah. a last minute winner as well, didn't we? So you think I'm not criticising us at all. But I think they were fine margins that went in our favour. Whereas I think in the last six or seven, I don't think that is the case. I do think that pretty much every game that we've won, we have deserved to win. So I think that gives me even more encouragement, really. So um, I'll tell you what is is interesting about that and what I what I pick up on there is when you win the, the seven and nine, which obviously we've talked about many times this season, um, what you want to do, of course, you want to identify what the magic formula is, what we did differently to get those results and how we can replicate them over the course of the season. And we were talking about, well, we'll stop messing about in the back. Obviously, the obvious change was bringing in Bender for Fisher and he was a little bit more no-nonsense. And then we kind of eat back into that, overplaying it at the back. And so we're looking at, well, what was it? But this, this run of form has been very much attributed to a, a significant change. And uh, there'll be people out there that, that, that will disagree and say it's a, a coming of age. Of, of Russell Martin's tactics I'd like to think more that the fact that the change in tactics to a, to a back four has shown uh, the fence has become almost unrecognisably solid Steve um, because they've got a four to rely on rather than a, a three essentially with the two wing backs so high up the pitch and centre backs being pulled left and right um, Look, Andy Fisher's looked like a different man now that he's got he got the defensive cover and he's he's um you know he's he's keeping clean sheets left and right and uh, the whole team looks more balanced and more comfortable and dare I say it more competent out there than they have all season. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, um, to be fair, if you look at the the Coventry game, which is the first one we haven't discussed that really. I mean. To be fair, Fisher is someone that we've we've slaughtered and we, we can't look at it any other way. Um, 
I think there's still probably doubts about long-term whether he should be our goalkeeper. But in that game in particular, he made a lot of good saves and he, he arguably did save us the point. So that probably says a lot about you know, the improvement that there's been. And I think the fact is when the goalkeeper is playing better and has a bit more confidence, that will impact on the defence as well, won't it? But um, we do seem better with like a back four, don't we? I think that's certainly fair to say. Um, and that change has certainly made um, a big difference, hasn't it? So... That's something that we've we've got to learn. I think we, you know, I think wing backs can work in certain circumstances, depending on the players that um, that you've got. But I think it's it's been obvious all season, really, isn't it? Certainly in the right wing back position that we've we've not had a player there that that suits us, and that hasn't helped us. So yeah, but I mean, the defence has has really stepped up, is it? I think Nathan Wood has has come into his own recently, and obviously Cabango's confidence is probably sky high after. Uh, both players who took huge amounts of criticism earlier in the season as well. And again, I go back to the way we were playing. I feel like everyone was suffering um, and it was now on impossible for our players to put in the sort of performances we would hope them to because the, the, the style was asking too much. And how you see, you just mentioned Cabango and Wood there, is, is a, exemplary, a, a, a great example of, um, of how those players have, um, have settled in the new role. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? I mean, um, like you say, it's, it's it just feels like everything's coming together, really, doesn't it? At the moment, it's everything has sort of clicked, and you're almost thinking that there's there's players on the bench that are a bit unlucky that they're they're on there. We've made changes, and the ones that have come in have have done well. Yeah, it it, it does feel almost a bit too good to be true, really, doesn't it? But um, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, let's get into it then because um, there's uh, five games to talk about. We won't uh, go into great detail of the of the older ones. Um, the commentary, you know, you mentioned um, the fact that uh, that stalemate wasn't overshadowed by the fact that it was a, uh, a rare Swansea City clean sheet, um, but a clean sheet that uh, was earned by Andy Fisher and some great saves. So I think, um, you know, kudos because we've given plenty of criticism. So kudos where it's earned there. Um, it was uh, it was a great performance from him. And um, and, and, and between two teams um, who were playing with confidence and playing with a little bit of uh, swagger, it was ultimately cancelling each other out. And I think there was no shame in, in that uh, stalemate, to be honest with you. Uh, move on to um, a game away of struggling Wigan, uh, where we win 2-0, two first-half parole goals, and the first sign, perhaps, of that um, steeliness, Steve, of the Swans, uh, that we now almost, dare I say, becoming a little bit more um, comfortable with seeing on a, on a game-by-game basis, because... It was a thoroughly professional performance, and 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 once again, you, you, we're talking about clean sheets, and uh, that's how you tend to win games. You keep the opposition out; it's uh, it's a hell of a lot easier, isn't it? Yeah, um, like you say. I mean, we, we we were very comfortable up there. We we, we dominated, didn't we? There's no other way of describing it. Um, Wigan didn't really look threatening at all. I would say, um, apart from maybe that one chance in the second half, where to be fair. Um, Good save. Yeah, there was a really good save, wasn't there, by um, mm. by by Fisher? Um, but look, we, we dominated it. I mean, Perot scored two lovely goals. I mean, the, the second one in particular, I think that was the team move one, wasn't it? I mean, you know, that is like the dream goal, really, isn't it? Um, one of the best I've seen from any side, really, this season. And it's disappointing that it's one at the woodwork, and we could have finally seen that elusive league hat trick that. Unbelievably, is now past fifteen years. I think since Swan. Still, Ian Bowser is not. 
Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's mad, really, isn't it? But, um, yeah, look, Wigan were a poor side, but we we dispatched them with ease, really, didn't we? So, you know, it just seemed like a really good uh, good day out for everybody who went. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think by that point, we're, we're all just enjoying the rest of the season, really, aren't we? As, as opposed to, you know, I think certainly in the middle of March, a lot of us were wishing it away. But, um yeah, I think everyone's been, you know, I think that was just another step really on everyone enjoying what we were doing. The results were positive as well. So, yeah, all good, really. Yeah, it, you know, it, it was the start of us kind of just settling into what we expected then to be a mid-table finish and and hope that we could just end with a little bit of a flourish. Uh, probably not expecting it to go quite as well as it had done following that as well, Steve, because... Huddersfield at home were next, and Warnock, who's got a bit of a thing about keeping teams in this division, he's a master of it, and uh, he was um, down here to spoil again and came down with uh, with a game plan. He's already shown in other Huddersfield games uh, over the past month or so that he has picked up unlikely results all over the place. So whilst the 1-0 win, courtesy of a, a bit of a spectacular Ryan Manning strike, does seem on the face of it to be... Uh, an unspectacular scoreline. It was again another thoroughly professional job. Um, they didn't really cause us any problems. Had a field that I can remember, and uh, we did enough to get over the line. And I think, you know, again to score, to score and keep the opposition out is how exactly how you win games, and that's something we just started to slowly bed into. Yeah, I think we, the Huddersfield game, the first half was quite boring, really. It's been like a, a typical end of the season game with not a lot on it, but. I did feel we we improved quite a bit in the second half, and you know, I, I think we were well worthy of uh, the winning end. I mean, the man in goal has taken a bit of a deflection, but look, we we were the better side. I was quite surprised that Huddersfield really. I think they 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 came for a point, which I, I wouldn't criticise them on, but I think it was the fact that after we went in front, they didn't really push for uh, for like that goal. And you're thinking, well, you are scrapping. You shouldn't be, you know, you should, their confidence shouldn't have been that low either because they've been on a quite a reasonable run. So. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised at that, but look, we again we we definitely deserve to win, and um, yeah, another three points. Yeah, it was. Um, and then we, <laughs> I'll just spend about five minutes on this one, Steve, because how we uh, how we do justice to the game that followed. Um, if this was a Saturday three o'clock game, I feel like Wine Street would have been overwhelmed with Swans fans out following this one because. It had everything, but what it definitely ended with was a collective joy, which uh, we haven't felt too much at the uh, at the Liberty this season. I'm just just going to forever call it the Liberty. Um, and and this game, Steve, was just it was just incredible, wasn't it? Uh, it finished four two, but that doesn't even tell half the story. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, where where should we start? Um... I think we said it during the game, didn't we, that the first 45 minutes was arguably the best, you know, certainly the best in a long time, and probably the championship version of the the infamous West Brom game under Loudrop. We were just yeah. brilliant. We were, we were playing the ball so well, keeping it, put, trying to play people through, creating chances, obviously took those chances. Yeah, it was um, it was brilliant, really, wasn't it? I, I just... That, that opening half, as you say, was the equivalent of the West Brom game. I think I haven't enjoyed watching us play as well since since Graham Potter, since the second half of that Graham Potter season, really, when we really came into our own. And um, 
and I thought I, I was just in really enjoying watching us play. Certainly the best game I've seen us play, or the best 45 I've seen us play under Russell Martin. Um, to Preston, playoff chasers, uh, they would they would just kick in and trying to get near us because we were just passing triangles around them and players who were in the right positions to dominate the game. And um, one of player you're obviously a big advocate of re-signing um, was a massive influence on this, Joe Allen. He was uh, he was everywhere getting um, picking the ball up and uh, instrumental in the opening two goals, scoring one and assisting one. Yeah, uh, Joe Allen, that's definitely the best he's played, isn't it, since he, um, since he came back. I mean, I was thinking it before he scored, to be honest. He just seemed to be everywhere. He was always just doing what he does best, tidying things up, keeping the ball moving, showing as an option. And then obviously got a, a goal as well, which he took really well, because I was thinking he's going to, you know, I was expecting him to take it with his right foot and then he moved it nicely onto his left and and stuck it away. So, yeah, that that was really encouraging, really, because I think Joe Allen's season has been, it's been quite divisive, isn't it, in terms of what's going on. I mean, from my point of view, I, I have always felt that the ability is definitely still there. And obviously the fitness has been a problem this season, without a doubt. So that has it has been disappointing, really. But I do still think it could work out. I think what Martin said after the game in terms of if he can get a full pre-season under his belt without any issues, then I think Joe Allen will still be a good player for us. But you know, there's no doubt that the season has been disappointing. But, um, you know, we did see, you know, the hour that he was on the pitch, real positive signs, I would say, that... Um, he can still uh, more than uh, do a job for us. So that was great, really, wasn't it? And, um, you know, to see him get a goal was the icing on the cake, really. His first Swans goal, I think, since um, we drew four all with Wolves um, and, uh, at the end of the first season in the Prem. So uh, a long time since uh, we've seen Joe Allen score for the Swans. And yeah, and that was following, of course, the assist he got just after a minute or so for Perot, where he's playing so high up the pitch. And uh, with the license to do so in the news, in the we were playing now um, with Grimes as the as the single anchor there, allowing him to get further up the pitch and influence things, um, which we hadn't seen too much of before, Steve. Um, you know, it was it was it was great to see in that whole first half. Everyone seemed to be playing in their comfortable positions, playing in the right roles, and. Um, so you go in two 0 and you're thinking, can we just, you know, put the icing on the cake before half time? And uh, a fantastic ball in for Ryan Manning from a free kick catches uh, the Preston defence uh, out out of uh, out of shape, and Harry Darling nips in between to nod in the third. And at this point, you're thinking we're in dreamland. Yeah, you're almost thinking, could uh, you know how many could it be at the end? Because we were playing that well, and um, you know the opposition didn't seem to be offering a lot either, did they? But um, Look, it's always good to score a goal from a set piece. I know the uh, Andy Parslow's taken a little bit of stick this season, so that won't do uh, him any harm, will it? But um, yeah, look, you can you never expect to be three 0 up at at half time. Do that that happens very very rarely. So especially against what is you know quite a reasonable team, really. Certainly not one of the the weaker ones in the division. So yeah, um, just just really good, really encouraging. And you know, I think if, if everyone's honest, the midweek games. And not always the most enjoyable down um, at the Liberty. You know, if you've been working all day and then you've got to go down there, especially in the winter. Uh, I know, obviously, at the moment it's not so bad, but um, you know, the atmosphere is never usually quite as good as it. But um, yeah, I think that uh, Wednesdays uh, of last week certainly bucked the trend, which is uh, nice to see, isn't it? 
Yeah, without its fair share of controversy, um, which will probably dominate the headlines for it in, in, uh, over the future uh, years when we look back on it, because uh, the second half started and you're thinking, well, as you always do when you've got a healthy lead, they're going to come out trying to get themselves back in the game. Let's keep it quiet for 10 minutes and um, and gain, gain control and just settle it out. But it wasn't to be. Um, a clearance, I think it was a clearance that got rebounded against someone and then fell kindly into the path of the press and striker, Steve. And um, all of a sudden it's 3-1. And you're looking at me thinking, is it going to be one of those second halves again? And I, I'm just, you know, please don't do this to me. Because we've had good leads before, but not with such a dominant performance, I don't think. Not with that level of class we'd shown. And um, I think maybe just past results and scars from the past maybe just crept in and lost a little bit of control in that second period there. Preston had a good 10-15 minutes following that goal, Steve, and it was a, it was a little bit more of a scrappy affair where they were trying to um, exert their own pressure. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was no shock really that they they were better in the second half. They couldn't have got much worse, could they? But I mean, from Preston's point of view, their season wasn't dead. So you know, you'd be thinking, well, can we? You may as well just throw the kitchen sink at it and see what happens. But they they did cause us problems, really, didn't they? I mean, mm. like I said, that that slip has got that's cost one, and then managed to play themselves in for the second. Um, like I say, we're bound to get jittery because our track record. Under Martin, there's been a few times where we've conceded from. Obviously, we've not won from being two 0 up, and there's a couple even from three 0 up. I think, isn't there? So, you know, you, you do never quite know with the Swans, and I, I did feel at the time the best thing for us to do was to try and go for another goal, really, because you know, defensively, it, it, it's, it's no secret that we've we've not been great, have we? But I think we're fourth in the top scorers in the league. So, when you think of it like that, it's obvious that teams do struggle to stop us from scoring. So. If we decide to go down that route instead, then that's probably you know the old um, attack is the best uh, form of defence. But um, yeah, it could have gone. Um, you you were wondering if it could have gone to three three, but um, I think the incident that that, that then uh, happened was is probably what the game will be remembered for, wouldn't it? Um, I think it's got to be the biggest and most maddest brawl I've ever seen in my life at the Swans. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I apart from viral videos from you know, Turkish league and stuff like that. I think it's probably the wildest thing I've ever seen in, in the British game um, in terms of the sheer uh, longevity of it. it. They seem to kick off and then re-kick off and keep kicking off for a good three or four minutes. It just it just constantly, just the brawls just continue to happen and we're just looking at it going, dear me, what? There's no control. And, and someone said after the game, actually, it was quite an interesting point. The ref had so little control over everything that was bubbling over they had some fans encroached on the pitch and it, it, that could have gone seriously, seriously down downhill quickly um, because it was just, there was no control. And I think this is where it stems from. And I know Preston fans will have a different view on this and we've seen some of their tweets and whatnot about this incident. But um, my take on it is um, 10, 10, 15 minutes prior to it, uh, Ryan Manning went down um, looking for a free kick. He got a head injury. Um, we ended up putting the ball out. Grimes ended up putting the ball out. And Preston didn't return it. And I think that's... Whether or not you think Ryan Manning was injured, whether you think he was being a bit um, clever, then that's up, to, that's up to personal interpretation. However, 
what's not really a done thing in the British game, Steve, is is to not return the ball when it's clearly been put out for an injury. It's up to the ref to determine then, you know, if he wants to book man in for diving or what. But uh, not Preston were to carry on attack, and thankfully the attack quickly petered out. But I think that was the start, personally, of tensions raising. Another certainly wound the crowd up, wound me up. Um, and then, of course, what was to happen um, a little bit later on when um, when Jay Fulton got uh, uh, shoved in the back? It was a raised arm to the back of the head um, by the by the Preston player. Um, and again, the ref doesn't call for anything or stop the play, and eventually stops the play after Preston's attack comes to an end, which riles both Swans fans and Preston fans because Preston didn't want the stoppage at all. And, of course, Swans fans are wondering, well, if you're stopping the play, you'd stop it because there's a genuine injury that you're concerned about. You certainly don't wait to see if the opposition are going to score before you stop it. So this was all a culmination. And we've heard lots of rumours and lots of hearsay of what happened. Steve, in that, um, the best guess is that um, a Preston player has said, done something, something disgusting, to be honest with you, to, with Fulton on the floor. And um, Joe Allen uh, has obviously spotted this and has remonstrated with the fourth official. And Ryan Lowe's taken um, offence to that and shoved uh, Joe Allen, who's reacted badly to the shove. Um, and then it's all escalated from there. And again, without I mean, EFL and FA are still looking at this and still deciding on appropriate punishment for these this incident. But what happened from that moment on, Steve, was... Um, Pure carnage. Yeah, it was. It's, it's impossible to really discuss. Like, uh, like it's almost like what I would really love is for Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville to do a Monday night football analysis on the whole thing, dissect it from different angles, tell us who did what. Because genuinely, I'm got a clue. It is mad. Like you've, you've seen photos afterwards of Eamsy the kit man with he's missing a shoe, and then Norton has moved from one place to the other to, to get involved in something else. Obviously, what's happened with Joe Allen? It's it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, you, it does. Football is like a, a passionate game, as we all know, but and it, it can spill over at times. But I have never seen it spill over like that. I don't think it was mad. And obviously, you see a brawl like that, and you think at the end of the day, afterwards, there was still twenty-two players on the pitch because obviously the person for us sent off was a sub who'd been subbed, and their manager was sent off. So um, yeah, just just crazy. I think if, you do wonder if there was VAR, then there could have been. Uh, a few others uh, walking down the tunnel, but um, there wasn't. So, um, yeah, just just mad, wasn't it? I think that a brawl no one will ever forget, I think. Just, um, you know, you don't see that in this country very often at all. And like I said, I've never seen one that extreme at the Swans. But, um, yeah, look, it happens, and it happened on that night, didn't it? It did. And 3-2, it, it was pivotal because... You had the nerves um, on the pitch and in the stands um, at this point. I mean, we're all seeing this script play out a few times this season already um, and almost feeling like as this tipped over to what was essentially the final minutes of normal time, um, the, the, the pressure was on us to see it out and We'd made defensive substitutions as well, Steve. We'd left Perot up there somewhat isolated and kind of left me thinking, oh, God, we're just inviting the traffic on again. So it kind of made me think that, um, in hindsight, the brawl is absolutely, uh, <laughs> I would say, ridiculous, 
sublime, whatever your view of the pro was, um, it uh, it helped us because it it gave us that fire in the valleys again to just give us that little bit more. The crowd got up, everyone was rejuvenated for the final. What was it? Eight minutes added on time or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, it, um, it 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 worked out well in the end. And uh, when the car when the play settled down into a to restart again, we took advantage and sealed it. And um, and it was it was just the sense of sheer jubilation and relief was tangible around the stadium at that point. Oh, it was. I think um, you know, obviously, if anything like that ever happens, it does just get the crowd up, doesn't it? And um, that's what it did. And obviously, the, the game was still in the balance, really, with there only being one goal in it. So, like, I think there was a, a mixture of uh, joy and relief, really, wasn't it, when Perot finally did um, stick the ball away? So. I think overall we definitely deserve to win, even though we weren't as good in the second half. But um, you know, a, a really good win. Um, I think I highlighted it actually um, on on Twitter a couple of weeks back that our record against the top nine going into that was actually very poor. So it was quite good to actually beat somebody uh, like that because it's been a real weakness for us um, this season. So you know, we find we've managed to beat someone in there. So that can only be um, a good thing as well, really. So yeah, look. Uh, yeah, a night no one will forget. Um, but at the end of the day, a very good win. But you know, a real disappointment to to lose Joe Allen then for you know the remaining three league games, given how, how well he did. But I suppose it probably sums this season up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does really. I mean, he's been the stop start as they come, and um, he's been a uh, victim of circumstance with his uh, with his injuries. Um, and he's been so disappointing. I think probably one of the underwhelming moments of the season is the fact that we haven't had Joe Allen available for most of it, really. Excuse me. Um, and, I, and for him personally, I think it's going to be a massive disappointment to come back to his hometown club and um, and not be able to have the influence that he wanted to have. Um, but, um, you know, I did speculate a few weeks ago that he may decide to hang up his boots this summer. Um, given the injury problems he's faced, I'm not sure if he'll do that now. Given uh, you know he's, he's the impact he's had just uh, in Preston game alone might spur him to try and um, give his body another year and see how he gets on because um, there's no there's no getting away from the fire that was in his belly that night. Yeah, no, I I don't think he's going to retire. I, if he did, it would be because he really does feel that the like he'd have to have picked up another injury and just feel like it's it's the end. But I. I really don't think he'll um, he'll retire. I think he signed that two-year contract. He'll see it out, and then you know if next year goes well, then uh, who knows what will happen after that. But um, yeah, look, he'll, I'm pretty sure he'll be here next season. And as I said, really just hope normal pre-season everything goes well. If it does, then look, we've got a real player here because I know Jay Fulton's done really well, but I do think that Joe is a level above him if he's playing at his best and is fully fit. So. We'll see. Yeah, it's um, it's how you react then to such a emotional um game, which I think is probably the best way to describe it, the the Preston game, uh, to go into another tough fixture, a ground we don't typically do well at. Um, Carroll Road, Steve. Uh, Norwich away is never particularly happy hunting ground, um, but to go there and um, put on. One of the most convincing, professional, brilliant 
displays I've seen again under Russell Martin um, was um, was just awe inspiring and just showing the difference in this team is is just remarkable at the moment. Yeah, um, you know I thought Norwich didn't start too badly. I mean the, the first few minutes, but. I mean, from the moment that we, Cullen had, obviously had that chance that got saved, which mm. led to the corner, which Lata Baudier scored a header from. I mean, from then, it was just total control, wasn't it? We we played superbly. The move for the second goal, brilliant. And then Cullen doing what Cullen does, finding that space, uh, the instinct of where to be, heads at home. Obviously, the red card comes not long after it. We're just in total control, aren't we, at this point? It was the second half. It was like a training session, really, wasn't it? So... But we played superbly, and as you say, it's Carrow Road, not a place we usually do very well. An incredibly long journey, isn't it, to get there? I've done it once, and I did swear I would never do it again. I didn't go on Saturday for what it's worth. But um, just a brilliant performance against you know a side that is probably underachieving a bit, but certainly one that would would have expected to have done better. And um, yeah, look, we we were absolutely brilliant. There's no other way of. Um, of describing it really, um, you know, one of our, our best performances and and displays under Martin without a doubt. And obviously, like unlike the Preston one, I think we, we were at it really for pretty much the whole ninety minutes this time. So yeah, just really encouraging and you know hugely rewarding for those people that did go on the weekend because you know on the face of it, it looked as if there wasn't a lot to play for. As I've said, it's it is pretty much the longest journey you can do, and they were really rewarded with what was a superb performance and results. So. You know, for very rewarding for those people, and you know they deserve it because you know they have. If if we'd gone there and lost, it would have you know been a weekend killer really because you know you won't get back until stupid o'clock when you're coming from there. So yeah, look, brilliant, and um, yeah, it's got everybody um, talking about is another impossible Swansea City job on the cards. I I just cannot believe. I cannot believe that with two games to go, we're having this conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm open to taking all the all the stick and and flack that would come my way naturally for um, the criticism. I, I say I feel justified in what I've said previously, but if you'd asked me five or six weeks ago um, if I could see this coming, I'd say you need to see a doctor because I I just couldn't I couldn't envisage it. One of my mates actually said. Um, Again, going back a few weeks ago um, about Russell Martin and getting a new deal. And I, I was just, I looked at him like he had two heads. And I thought, I don't understand what you're what you're seeing that I'm not here. Because um, his uh, formation um, was baffling. And it seemed three wins in 23 was very much kind of still in my mind. Um, and looking at the way we were playing and how lessons weren't being learned from one game to the next. And I was thinking, well... If he's blind to it, then we've got no hope. And I feel I felt like a sense of disappointment because, and I have spoken about this previously because I thought whilst the potential is quite clearly there, I mean, if you can't see something as blindingly obvious as how our defence is getting absolutely torn apart week in week out because of the way we were playing, and I just pray because Preston was a big one for me, Steve, because he named five defenders. That night, and I thought, oh dear, he's gone back to a back five. And I did tweet like that. We've gone back to the three with the two wing backs, um, but he didn't. So despite having five defenders on the pitch, he played Ryan Manning right up the pitch um, in part as part of the midfield, which 
filled me with so much confidence because it made me think even if circumstances led him to naming five defenders, Steve, he was still prepared to stick with the four in defence. And that made me think maybe that penny has dropped and hopefully that is boding so much optimism for the future. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, look, as we, we've said before, we there's been a lot, quite a few mistakes and decisions that we've not agreed with, but it does now feel as if maybe we've learned something. I mean, you look at in January where we were playing with like a diamond and we got some better results. There, there were one or two that weren't so good, but we were playing with Perot and Cullen up top, for example, and it seemed to work. And then all of a sudden, Cullen found himself out with the team. We reverted to this back five, and then that really didn't help on the really bad run that we were on. And mm. it's, it's changed back now, as you say, back towards this back four with a diamond and it, it does seem to to work better doesn't it? it suits the players that we've got so yeah you just you hope now that the lesson has been learned I mean there's again you look ahead to, to the weekend I mean it, it seems senseless to particularly change things I mean the odd player you're in there maybe but I mean the system and what we're doing the message stays the same I mean there's if it's not broke don't fix it and arguably it's working the best that it has now since Martin took the job so yeah, you just hope that, like I said, the, the penny has dropped in in that sense to an extent because, you know, we, we clearly we did we feel like we're playing above like the sum of our parts at the moment, and that yeah, but the best Swans teams have always done that. So, you know, you don't want to go, you know, um, trying to mend things that are not broken. So let's let's just hope it, it does go that way, doesn't it? Because there's there's a lot to be optimistic about at the moment, and you don't want us to undo it foolishly. And this is where. This is where I get controversial because I, I've had this spat a few times on social media whereby I've said, look, you can't discount and I will never discount the amount of criticism that should be rightly levelled at the door of the owners. I will not ever discount that. They have hamstrung this club um, from their inactivity or ridiculous decision making from the day they stepped in through the door. All they've done since being here is is kept our heads above water, barely, and and that's it. And 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 now we're looking, especially up until recently, like we're running thin on things to sell to keep the club solvent. So you were really looking down the dark hole then. Um, however, and this isn't an excuse for the ownership at all, but the point I would make was that. The players that have done what they've been doing over the last seven games are the same players that were there in the 3-23, and 23, excluding maybe Liam Walsh, who's just come back from a long-term injury, of course. However, these players are playing like you've never seen them before in a Swansea City shirt. And I think that is testament to how much emphasis should be played on. It's not always about getting loads of players in or getting better players in. It is about playing in a way that allows you to be better than the sum of your parts, as you rightly just said, Steve. And the way the players are playing at the moment, are they're an absolute joy to watch. They're a credit to the club. And they're playing with a smile on their face and the fans are watching with a smile on their face. And I haven't felt this warm fuzz since early Russell Martin reign when that we won and that run um, October time in his first season. Um, we thought, oh wow, we we really we really hit the ground running here. Um, so it was really that kind of warm feeling that you're getting again watching us, because I remember speaking a few weeks ago about the thing that will kill this club, and it's not anger, it's apathy. And I saw the ground getting emptier and emptier, and people stopped chanting and booing. It was just 
sighs and derision and kind of just moaning and whatnot. And that was kind of, I was worrying because I thought at this point, now people are stopping to be angry anymore. And I think that was the worry. Now I'm seeing happy faces again and seeing people really feel like they're enjoying watching the club again. Um, and it's worth pointing out, it's the same group of players. And so I think um, what he stumbled upon is proof that you don't need to have a massive budget and you don't need to go out there and splurge because you can just identify how to complement what we've already got out there now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've, like I said, we definitely need some some help, don't we, in the transfer market in certain positions and stuff like that. But, I mean, if the clever scouting, um, you know, was one of the keys to our success previously, really, wasn't it? Finding players from, you know, possibly from abroad sometimes was one of our specialities, wasn't it? And, um, you know, bringing them in for cheap and possibly selling them on. So, yeah, look, that... You can always, I think that that's an area arguably we need to improve on. I would say because you know since Martin's come in, not all the, the recruitment hasn't always been good, but it does feel now as if some of those players, certainly maybe the younger ones, are are getting better. So maybe it was a case of with some of them, they've just got to be a bit more patient. But then obviously there's been, you know, there has been issues with the likes of of Patterson and Oberfemi, so that hasn't helped, does it really? But um, I suppose that that may be another way of looking at it. If you get rid of you know, over family in particular, one of the bad eggs, then it, sometimes it allows other people to to flourish, really. So um, that, that's another thing. You, you just don't want those type of people in your club. So they're never going to help. And um, look, we're, there's just plenty to be positive about at the moment, isn't it? It's, it does feel quite strange coming on here and, and <laughs> an optimistic, doesn't it? Because we've obviously it's a while since we, certainly before the World Cup, I would say, that we had a a podcast as, as happy as this. So, um, yeah, it does. Well, we did have one after Cardiff. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that's that, that's always going to be euphoria, though, isn't it? But I think it's just, you can yeah. say more isolation, can't you? But, um, yeah. yeah. See, I don't know what impresses me more here, because I, I think the latter, but I'll, hear me out. There's six winning seven games there, which is a phenomenal run um, in this division where no one seems to be... Well, any good, to be honest with you. I think it's the weakest championship. It will be if we do. It still looks very likely that we'll miss out, but it'll be agonising now. Um, but if we do miss out on the playoffs, um, it will be a missed opportunity given the standard of the league. This year, I'm sorry, it's very, very poor. But six wins in seven in a, in a league where very few teams have managed to put that sort of run together is excellent and brilliant for us. But one I want to focus on, Steve, is four clean sheets in five games, which to me and the way we played this season is the bigger headline. Yeah, it's got to be, certainly based on what we were doing before, because it, it felt as if we were conceding every game, more or less. And obviously that was, um, you know, down to the goalkeeper quite often making mistakes, but they've been cleared up, haven't they? So, you know, I think, I suppose, impressed and we, we did concede a couple, but maybe in the other games, we, we've not conceded as many chances. So, you know, probably a combination of us, us doing well, keeping the ball well and preventing the opposition doing much and, and facing opposition that, that weren't particularly good, if we're being honest as well. So, yeah, whether we can carry that on, um, we'll have to wait and see. But look, you, can, you, can only, you can't control who you play and when. So it's, in, it's encouraging either way. And look, I would have said that the chances of um, four clean sheets in five um, about a month ago would have probably been about a thousand to one. So, you know, we, yeah, it, it does feel as if we're living in a bit of a parallel universe at the moment. And, um, 
yeah, a bit odd, but look, it's all good. It is all good. And as I said a few minutes ago, Steve, we are somehow looking with two games left at the possibility mathematically that we could end up in the top six. Um, I still put it down to like a, a three or four percent chance of us ending up in there, just as the series of results that need to go in our favour. But it is a testament to this run that we're even talking about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I went to the the Jason Bowen charity game yesterday, which was um, a, a really good event, obviously, you know, for a, and it, it's really sad that he's been diagnosed with motor neuron disease, but obviously a, a great event and great to see so many players come together for it. But um, I was I was talking to a few of the Swans fans up there and we were talking, like saying, you know, it seems very unlikely that we will get in there. But the fact that we're having the conversation, as you just said, is huge progress because no one could have ever thought it. So, you know, um, mathematically, it's still alive. Realistically, it probably isn't going to happen. But look, you don't know. You've just got to take it one game at a time. And um, if it goes to the final day, then you never know. The permutations will be realistic then, one day in terms of you'll know exactly what you need to happen to get in there, even if it's still unlikely. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it, Ian Mitchell Moore has put together a massively confusing but thoroughly comprehensive piece on uh, what needs to happen for Swans to get in there. Um, it will clean itself up a lot, Steve, after this weekend where we're looking at everyone going into the final round of fixtures um, and having uh, well the points that we need. Um, one thing is absolutely clear. Um, I don't think there's any doubt of this. Swans need to win their last two games. Yeah, look, I think that would take us to 68 points, obviously. That's a low total to get in the playoffs. You'd be lucky to get in there with that, I would say. So I think under Steve Cooper, if everyone remembers, we nicked in on the last day. Um, that was 70 points. And that's that's low, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, to get in there on, on 68 would be the lowest for a long time. But the fact is, when you've got so many teams that are sort of similar then, you know, it, it could be a case of 68 will get you in there. 64 points could be 12th. So that's what's very strange about it, really. It's, there really isn't a lot between sides. And um, look, the fact is that some of them have to play each other. Then, you know, that a lot of them are inconsistent. So 68 points would give us an outside chance, I would have thought. But, but there's no doubt whatsoever, we have to win both games. So. Yeah. If we don't, it's a pointless conversation. It's over. So, you know, we'll we will concentrate on Saturday's game. If we get a win, then we will look at the situation, I suppose, and um and go from there. If we don't, then you know, we're ending with a flourish either way. And to finish in the top ten would be, you know, a pretty good achievement, I would say, given everything that's gone on. So um you know, we'll have to settle for that instead. But um look, we will see. I mean, who who knows what is what is gonna happen. We're we're relying on, you know, a certain chain of events where there can't really be a lot of variation. I oh, there say. really isn't. Yeah. There really isn't much that can go wrong at this point. I mean, I would have imagined after Norwich game, I would have thought this will probably be the weekend where we can get a draw at Norwich. It's a good result. They were 10th at the time. Um, a win would have put them in the playoff positions, just to give you a bit of context for how... Um, their season's going. I know it's uninspiring for them when they were looking at uh, bouncing back, um, but ultimately um, they could have got into the top six, so they certainly got something to play for. So to go in there and put that display, even then you're thinking, 
well, you still need three or four other results to go our way. And those sorts of unlikely results mostly did go our way. And so you end up looking at it going, how we've ended that run of fixtures, or that round of fixtures, I should say, three points off the playoffs is is remarkable. Was it? F- I think it was five, wasn't it, before the game played on Saturday? So, you know, to eat up two points there on, on, on a game day um, where everyone's playing is remarkable. Um, were something similar to happen this weekend, and for those of you who Nigel Pearson would refer to as an ostrich for sticking your head in the stand, at the moment, uh, Swans are three points off the playoffs um, with two games left. Uh, goal difference isn't really in our favour. We've only got a plus three. There are teams in there with far superior. So we're probably, uh, unless, uh, and like these set of circumstances happens, looking to get in there on points. Um, and if that were to happen, then we would need, um, or, or indeed two healthy wins, uh, because realistically we need a lot of the teams above us to lose their games as well, which would take a dent in their goal difference. So it gets complicated, as I have already forewarned. Um, but Steve, a win on Saturday uh, against Hull puts us on 65. Currently, sixth place Sunderland are on 65. Um, there's a whole host of teams, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, including Sunderland, who stop us at the moment from being in the playoffs. And this is where my concern lied a few weeks ago, which is where if we were on this point difference, three points shy of the playoffs, but there was just us shy of Sunderland and, and we were seventh, then it would be on because we'd only have to better one team's results. But as it stands, we still need to better six teams' results over two games, which is a massive, massive ask. But it's a, it's a, it's a target that we've already started chipping away on. And this is where the faint hope, that glimmer of hope, and it is the hope that kills you, <laughs> but it is that where it's come from because we've chipped down five to three. If we were to do that again on Saturday, that three points would become one, and we'd be going into the final day thinking, well, we'd probably be eighth or ninth at this point, and thinking well, we've just got to better the results of two other teams and, and make sure we win at home against West Brom. Um, another one of those teams that are in and around there is a six-pointer. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, there's so many permutations in there, but as, as you say, the, the issue is, is there's so many teams between us as well. That, that's the real issue, isn't it? You only need one of them to really get a result that goes against you, and that could be the end of it. So, you know, it's, it's a case of we just need to try and forget about it, I think and try and carry on with what we have been doing. And then we will get to Saturday afternoon after the game is finished. If we've got a result, then we can look at what, what's needed and what the how the land lies. And if, if we haven't won, then you know we will just focus on the last game, knowing that it's the last game and that's it. So, yeah, it's we, there's, there's nothing to lose, though, really, is there? Because you know, no, we didn't expect to be in this situation, and, and we know exactly what we will have to do to even have a chance. So... You know, it's pointless. Um, you know, worrying too much about it. We just gotta just just go with it and and be grateful that the the season isn't a hundred percent dead yet because it looked it, but uh, all of a sudden it isn't. And let's just sprinkle a little bit more positivity or hope to to kill you before um we uh, we wrap this podcast up, Steve. Because I'm looking at the league table now. Um, Millwall, who are currently just outside the playoffs, have just won one. Of their past five games, they've only uh, they've lost three of them, uh, so four points in five games for them. Um, Blackburn have also only got four points in five games. They've drawn four and lost one. It's a horrendous run of the teams just outside the playoffs. You know we've got we're the form team of the division right now, um, and 
more often than not, there tends to be one team that makes a late surge to nick into sixth. This would be the most remarkable uh, late surge to the playoffs I think has ever happened in the EFL. Yeah, obviously we, we don't have all the records in front of us, but I can't ever remember a team sneaking in in this way. I mean, you might often get a situation where someone wins the last four and gets in there. I mean, you often see somebody get in there on the last day, don't you? But it's, it's not necessarily through going on a crazy run. It might be just by winning two or three or even the case of staying in touch and then the, the team in six or whatever just um, slips up and, and you sneak in there. Um, you know, Obviously, we saw it under Steve Cooper, didn't we, where... Oh, on a one-off occasion, that was incredible because of this swing on results on one yeah. day. But, but you're still think, saying that, Mike. But we, I think what was remarkable over that one was we were chasing, I think we were chasing Cardiff and maybe somebody else, realistically. And yeah. they were winning, so we were thinking, right, well, it's not going to happen. But the remarkable thing was that with five games to go, we were 10 points behind Nottingham Forest. And we also had to play them. But you'd have thought, well, that would be a good thing because if you beat them, then obviously you pull them closer too. But we didn't win. We drew. So effectively, there were four games left or whatever at this point. Um, and you're 10 behind. And you're thinking, well, well surely you're not going to catch them now. And obviously, I think what happened was they, in their penultimate game, they lost to Barnsley in the last minute. That then meant that we were three behind when we were the five-goal swing needed. And obviously, with 25 to go, there was still a five-goal swing needed. But they ended up being a six-goal swing and we got in there. I mean, that is that still remains one of the most remarkable that could ever happen. But I mean... You know, I'm not saying that that isn't ridiculously unlikely because it is, but I suppose it's just it's sort of what happens on a, a last day, I suppose, sometimes. Whereas this one's a case of a team coming from comfortably in the bottom half to even have a chance of it is is absurd, really. So, look, we'll see. I think if it, if we did get in there, it probably would be more remarkable than that. And I, I didn't think I would ever utter those words. However, this is Swansea City. We do know that it's a bit mental at times. Either way, good and bad. And um, so, yeah, for that reason, you can never quite rule anything out. Yeah, I'm just quickly looking back here for um, the date of the Bristol City game. It was the end of March, wasn't it? It was the 19th of March because we had the international break. Um, So we're literally three, four days over a month um, from that game. Um, And before that game... I remember thinking, we can win one of these games against Bristol and Cardiff, then that that should be enough to keep us up. It's incredible. It's incredible that a month later, you're looking at the table going, well, we could still make the playoffs, (laughs) which is just just absolute bonkers. Um, Steve, if we don't get in there, which is still very much the likely scenario. Um, where does the situation lie for Russell Martin and his future? Um, we had three wins in half a season, um, which is which is incredible that he is still in his post right now, but the future is suddenly looking rosy. Um, he's not happy going into his final year of his contract. He's staying he's going to struggle to attract players in such a situation. How do you address this? It's a tough one, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, he could really have been fired. And I think there were quite a lot of people that wanted him fired. I mean, I was, you know, looking at him and thinking, I don't think you're going to turn this round. And obviously now the it has turned round in a very dramatic way, really. So I think it's a difficult one. I mean, 
there's a part of me that thinks, do we just let things play out? I mean, there's a year left. We are improving. But I do understand the thing of as well. It's harder to attract players if maybe a manager only has a year left and there's uncertainty over it. But, I mean, the other problem is, though, if, if we were to revert to a really bad run, then, you know, you could then have a manager who's on a three-year contract again. So... Would you think a middle ground of extending it by a year now, would that be something that all parties would be happy with? Or do you think he'd be pushing um, for... Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that could happen. I mean, the manager might want longer. That's, mm. all, all these things, are, they're tricky, aren't they? I mean, I think we we certainly need to look at it at the end of the season. I think maybe that's a, a question for when we do reach the end as to exactly what we do. But I think it's, it is a, a tricky one, really, at, um, at the moment. And obviously, we, there's all sorts of rumours behind the scenes of a possible change in ownership or certainly change of you know, in, investment, change of di- uh, direction, possibly, and you know, sometimes people that come in want to make a change, don't they, and want to put their own person in. So it's, I think it's very up in the air at the moment. And I mean, but if you look at the way we played on the weekend and who it was against, then I think that club where obviously is a legend of Norwich, you never know, they they could be interested and that could then arguably force our hand to, to maybe even offer him a new deal. So it's, it's a very interesting one, I think, at the moment. But um, nothing's going to happen, is it, until the season ends. And I think... Yeah, the the right thing to do then is to to sit down and um, decide what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just so many permutations, and even when you're looking at players you want to sign, really, we got to be planning to the budget of Championship football next season, um, and whether or not this investment goes ahead and gives us the money to do so. Um, but you you still playing with that question mark over you. Um, if we win on Saturday, it probably becomes an even bigger question mark of <laughs> what position to go in. Because make no mistake about it, and I include you know the, the the two in the playoffs who are running away from the rest of the pack in Luton and Middlesbrough. But make no mistake about it, if we do end up in the playoffs after this, Steve. I think I, I I don't think I'd want to be any other club in going into that than us because the form we'd have to be in to go in there and the buoyancy and the confidence of getting in there um, on such a ridiculous surge at the end um, would be unthinkable and the other teams would just they'd have to match that intensity. Yeah, look, and again, you'd feel like you had nothing to lose because you really wouldn't have expected to be in there and be like a bonus, but. Yeah, look, if you're on good form, then you'd much rather go into the playoffs on good form rather than sort of limp over the line, wouldn't you? Mm. You, you do never know. It's essentially it's a three-game season, isn't it? Or well, two for two for two teams and three for the for the other two. But yeah, I mean, but I think we should maybe save this conversation for uh, <laughs> because it is, you know, if might be a very very small word, but I think it's a massive word in this instance. Oh, it's huge. And and again, like I said earlier, I put us at a less than a one percent a a week ago and now I'm putting us like maybe three or four percent just purely because it's still completely out of our hands by some distance. Um go on then, because I'm not gonna let you get off the hook that easily. Um based just on today and where you're sitting at right now. Swansea City gonna finish in the top six? No. No, not going to miss out by points or goal difference. What do you think? Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, I think that's that's hard to tell. I do think we've got a decent chance of winning the two games. Whether we do or not, I don't know. I mean, you, it's, it's so hard to, to really tell. I mean, if they're saying that we do win on the weekend. I mean, West Brom might need a win. 
you could get a crazy game like when we played Blackpool all those years ago we lost yeah. the where both teams need something and the next thing you know they're all going hammer and tongs and yeah anything can happen but yeah I mean look I, I think when you're on the phone that we are you have to think that we can win the two we might not win the two but we, we certainly have a chance of of doing that at least and then it's it's, it's in the, the in the, the goals really isn't it but um Look, I, th- I think we all realistically have to continue to play this down and sort of <laughs> uh, see what happens ra- and rather than saying, oh, you know, we expect that we, we, we can get in there now. I think it should be more of a case of, like, let's just one game at a time, see if we can go to Hull and win, and then we will go into the last day and we will see if we're in another situation where we can get in there. Tell you what, it's going to heat up, it's going to intensify if we do beat Hull on the weekend. That's the first task, and that's what Russell Martin needs to keep the players concentrated on and focused on not looking ahead to anything else. As he, as we said earlier, it's basically all we can do is win our two games, but if we don't do that, then we've let ourselves down um, because that's the only way that we give ourselves a chance. Anything outside of that is out of our control. Um, it will intensify, Stephen. Uh, if we do speak before the West Brom game, then um, it will be something I'll pin on your door again. But um, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I, for what it's worth, think we might get to 68 points, but fall shy by a point um, outside the playoffs. But you've been the pessimistic one this podcast, and I've been the optimistic one. It's not a role I've taken up too lightly this, this season, to be honest with you. So you need to offer the glimmer of hope going into next week's pod and give us some shining uh, po- positivity to take forward. Yeah, well, look, I I do think we might well win the two games. I just think that 68 points usually doesn't get you in there, that's all. No. You know, I I do genuinely think we there's a chance that we could. And if any team in this situation could do it, it's probably us because we are stark raving bongers. But we are asking an incredible amount in terms of it not just being in our hands. So, look, I'm, I'm happy as Larry, really pleased with how we're doing. If we finish in the top 10... And we end up with 68 points and we don't get in there. I will not complain. I, well, I will not complain about recently. I will criticise in terms of how we certainly have blown one or two games like Millwall and Birmingham at home. One or two is being kind. <laughs> but yeah, look, we let's just focus on now and the fact that we, you know, you, I think the, the good thing would be, let's say that we kept everybody together, which we won't do if we don't go up. But you'd almost be feeling like, right, we're ending the season really well and there'd be a lot of optimism going into the next year. But obviously with our owners being absolute morons, you do never know if that is the case. But um, that's what the case should be in this instance. But um, look, we'll see. There we go. I'm going to take the nugget of what you said in the first part of that, Stephen, close the podcast with it. Um, so if you're looking for any hope or inspiration for the end of the season, just remember... It's not any team that you support. It's Swansea City and we're stark raving bonkers in the words of Steve Carroll. So if anyone can do it, Swansea City can. Thanks for listening. Good night. (laughs) 